0: Welcome to The Journey, a podcast series by Christ Life Ministries, focused on renewing, restoring, and equipping leaders. Well, I hope you're doing well. This is Greg from Christ Life. We're just going to get into the living room together and talk through some more aspects of the renewal and restoration journey today. We've just transitioned from core longings, and now we're moving into True identity. This is one of my favorite legs of the journey. Discovering at a deep level what it means to truly identify with Christ, to live out a true identity as compared to living according to the primary messaging of my past. It's really a key aspect of freedom that we can go and deal with unprocessed wounds and distortions, but that healing work must be combined with a reformed or transformed perspective of who we are or else we'll never move into the health that jesus has designed us to live in (laughs) it's awesome and so god we bow our hearts before you today you're the only one that can change a life our lives are yours to change we've been made from dust and to the dust will return. Lord, don't forget that we're just unable, completely unable to do life without you. We're, we're like a branch that's disregarded, tossed to the ground, disconnected from the vine, apart from you. So come, Lord, in your mercy, meet with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you're all doing well. It's exciting to be a part of this ever-growing community of people who are journeying, moving, walking step-by-step into a profound sense of wholeness and deep sense of relationship with Jesus. Today we're going to dialogue. We're going to have just a simple conversation. (laughs) I'm just imagining being in the living room with you, having a a fresh cup of coffee and, and just kicking back and getting to talk about life, talk about life change. And really, what I love the most about conversations like that is the opportunity to learn from one another, to to glean from the insight that you have. Unfortunately, (laughs) that can't happen in this format. Maybe someday there'll be some better way to have conversations like this. But in the meantime, let's just jump into it. So Again, this week we're launching into True Identity, and any time that you're working with someone, that you're journeying with somebody into True Identity work, you need to evaluate where this person is in their journey, their relationship with God. Most of the leaders that I work with have... Postgraduate work under their belt, master's degrees, multiple master's degrees, D-men, PhDs. And so I don't feel the need to delve into the text and do too much work uncovering what the Bible says about true identity simply because most of the leaders that I work with have a lot of those passages memorized. The, the struggle there is that there just seems to be a chasm between what they believe to be true about God and what they're experiencing daily. They, they need help figuring out why it's not working. On the other hand, you might be working with somebody who has no clue. Maybe they've just given their lives to Christ. They have no clue what the text, what the Scripture what God's holy word says about who they are in him. My advice to you would be if, if this is the reality for the person that you're working with, don't jump right into this week's experience until you've spent adequate amounts of time helping them discover, at least begin the process of discovering their true God-given identity. There's lots of resources online, lots of free resources. One of them that I turn to occasionally is the Identity in Christ work from Neil Anderson. You can find free PDFs on the Internet within just a couple minutes of searching. In fact, one that I have in front of me has been tremendously helpful. In fact, it's that old... They probably back from from the early 90s, who I am in Christ. And, and this first section in particular, I am accepted in Christ, is where I'll often go with a leader who needs this truth planted in the good soil, Luke 6.45, of their hearts. Let's just start off this week by reading a couple of these. Just let these sink in deep. These are realities regardless of whether you're living in them or not, or, or have ever experienced the benefit of these realities, if you're truly a transformed follower of Jesus Christ, this is reality for you. You're a child of God. You're born into His family. That you're Christ's friend. That you've been justified. You've been united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. I mean just think about that for a second. That you've been bought with a price which means that you are valuable enough for for God to offer himself for you. That you're a member of Christ's body. That we've been adopted as God's children. That we have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's amazing that we've been redeemed and forgiven of all of our sins. God says that he's thrown our sins as far as the east is from the west and truly remembers them no more. And that I'm complete in Christ, forever free from condemnation. I'm free from any condemning charges. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I'm hidden with Christ in God. That I'm a citizen of heaven. That I've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound, a sound mind. I can find grace and mercy in time of need. That I'm born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. Man, that is good news. How would our lives change if we just spent the next 60 days allowing these realities to work their way from just a concept into my practice, my daily experience. In fact, we're going to talk about that this week. That's really the essence of true identity, isn't it? That, that it's made its way in, the truth of God, it's made its way into the way that I navigate life, the way that I think about life, the way that I think about the people around me, the way I serve and love the people around me. It all has to stem from truth, biblical truth, that God allows us to engage by the power of his Holy Spirit. Remember, truth alone, God's word, as powerful as it is, needs the counselor, John 16, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, who leads us into all truth. We should approach these truth statements, these identity statements, with complete need knowing that God wants us to live in them, but also knowing that there's no way to begin living in these apart from God doing a work in us. It's like Ephesians 1.19 where Paul exhorts the church. He actually is revealing how he's praying for the church when he says, I pray that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. We need God to do that work. So again, as we're starting This week of the journey, we're thinking about true identity. You have two paths before you. One is to just take this time with the leader, with the person, with a family member, the friend that you're working with, and just delve, dive into the deep end of what the Scripture says about true identity. On the other hand, if you're working with somebody that you're pretty confident has a good grasp of what the Bible says they are in God— then launch right into the content of this week of the journey. I always launch into true identity with something called identity insecurity. Identity insecurity is the natural byproduct of attempting to find emotional stability in things that by nature are not stable. Does that make sense to you? That anytime I'm attempting to provide for myself a sense of stability, maybe leaning into finances or, or success, our careers, or our family, whether our children are healthy and living for God or not, uh, maybe our GPA, maybe it's a person that we're dating, maybe it's, it's <laughs> daydreams about a person that we could be dating, and maybe it's how you're perceived at work, whether you're perceived as competent, faithful, trustworthy. You see, all these things, though important, were never designed to be places where true identity or true value would be formed. All of those things are value that come as a result of performance or people's approval. What God wants us to know is trusting in those things for emotional stability is a dead-end road. That it would be like leaning on a splintered staff. The more I lean on it, the more I injure myself. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be interested in doing a good job or being competent or, or being financially stable. What we're proposing is when I take those things as important as they are and begin to cultivate or derive from them a sense of value, over time I'm going to run into a brick wall. I'm going to break down. I'm going to die of thirst. (laughs) That'd be a great way to say it. That in my thirsting, going back to core longings, if I'm not getting thirst quenched by the fountain of living water, I'll die of thirst. Or I'll die from my attempts to to get that thirst quenched apart from God. The same thing's true with value and identity. All over the world today, there are people who are leading very successful organizations, non-Christians and Christians alike. And they're performing, working tirelessly, working 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours or more a week attempting to secure for themselves a sense of value. And as soon as they get through the season that they're in and they celebrate the successes, they find themselves needing to go and do it again and again and again. There's real bondage there. So again, the first concept that you're dropping with a leader, with a person that you're working with, is uh, identity insecurity. And identity insecurity, again, is what comes online Insecurity comes online every time I attempt to find stability in things that by nature are not true sources of stability. Could it be that simple? That much of the anxiousness, insecurity that we feel in life is simply a byproduct, a fruit of us cultivating, trying to provide for ourselves value. That it's all on us. That my value fluctuates from day to day depending on how I perform and how people receive me. That's a total ripoff. In fact, many of you are are living in that doom loop today as you're listening to this podcast. God wants to break that pattern, set you free so that you truly have nothing to prove, nothing to gain, and nothing to lose. (laughs) That's such a great place. God have mercy on us. In your kindness, lead us to you. To drive home this point, I'll often ask a couple simple questions. If the leader's kind of uptight, struggles with pride, has a hard time letting their guard down, I'll just, I'll ask these questions around where they were five or ten years ago. (laughs) Often, often their condition hasn't changed, but it just gives them a a way out, a, a way of not being embarrassed. We all need that at times, don't we? (laughs) Either way, I, I mean, if somebody is pretty relaxed, you could just dialogue with them about life as it is today. So on a piece of paper, just draw two vertical lines forming three equal columns. In the far left column, just write the word stability. In the middle column... I want you to brainstorm with the person that you're working with regarding some of the things that they've turned to in the past to provide that stability for themselves. It might be their education, their GPA. It might be the schools, the Ivy League schools that they went to. It might be athletics, that they were a college soccer star. It might be their family, their spouse, the number of children that they have. It might be the amount of money that they were born into, that maybe they were born into a family of, of great wealth. You get the idea. Maybe it's they're they're tremendously creative or an author. In the third column, now just look at them and ask the question, so how has that worked for you? <laughs> Often what you'll find is a leader saying, my gosh, man, I'm finding myself now more insecure than ever before in my life. Or if anyone, the moment that I leave the stage after preaching on Sunday morning, I'm running for my back office because I don't want to interact with anybody. Or, Or maybe someone would say, and maybe you could ask this question. So if these things were taken away from you, you weren't able to preach as you are today, or you couldn't lean into these other activities that you pride yourself in, what would you be left with? And the question is answered often with a big fat zero. I'd, I'd have nothing. Do you see where this really small experiential leads us? It hammers home the identity and security reality that if all of these things were taken from my life, I'd be left with little or nothing. On the other hand, if we chose to do life God's way, we would really begin to have nothing to prove, nothing to gain, nothing to lose. If my value and identity is finished, as finished as the finished work of the cross, then the activities of life become far less important. I'm not leaning on them in order to provide for myself. I'm looking at them as opportunities to bear fruit that really have no potential of diminishing who I really am in God. That God is the one who determines value. He's the one who determines identity and no one else. We're now moving into the third section of true identity, which revolves around the performance equation And this performance equation is quite simple. It's like addition. One plus one equals two. The content of this equation is performance plus approval equals value or identity. Do you get it? This is an equation that we consider all the time. If we have an opportunity ahead of us, we're looking at the yield or the potential of value And we say, yeah, I can do that. I'm pretty good at whatever you're asking me to do. I can be confident that approval will come from it. And as a result, I'll again be valued. There's just all these subtle (laughs) ways that we provide for ourselves and live independently from God. So, performance plus approval equals value. And often we'll look at the big events, the big opportunities of our life through that lens. The problem is that the performance equation never plays itself out in the way that we would hope. It actually plays itself out quite differently than what we would hope. Instead of performance plus approval equaling value, often we start with a crisis of value. We start with need, and as a result of that crisis of value, we find ourselves in bondage to approval and in bondage to the need to perform. Do you get it? This isn't some fun ride at an amusement park. We're regularly fluctuating up or down depending on how well we believe we've performed and whether people have noticed Remember the experiential from the core longing work that we did, that the only thing that that delineates between whether I'm working and living in the top half of the circle or the bottom half of the circle is my performance. God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to look at the prospect of cultivating or providing a sense of value for ourselves, and he wants us to surrender that, reject that independent path and come to him to find something that's constant and unending. Again, anytime we allow the content of life to become our primary source of value and identity, stability, we're living a distorted life. I was just working with a leader yesterday who began to really wrestle with the idea of pride, he, he said, I've been trying to remove pride from my life for most of my adult years, close to 20 years of pastoral ministry. And pride is really elusive, isn't it? It's difficult to get our hands around how in the world we operate in pride, whether it's false humility or whether we really are proud in certain moments, we're braggadocious, Really, what we, I think we need to do is, is stop fixating on pride and begin looking at independence. That really, the independent life is the heart of our pride. That as we're living on our own, providing for ourselves, cultivating our own sense of value, digging our own cisterns, we're ultimately living as our own gods. And as a result, we're going to experience intense labor and total failure. We'll experience damage and brokenness. Our hearts will be broken by this type of life. And of course, this isn't God's desire. His desire, Galatians 2.20, is that the life I live is His life in me. And I think that this is a perfect transition spot. We have so much left in true identity. But I just get a sense that there are a lot of you who are listening that are wrestling through what we've talked about so far and wondering how in the world do I begin to, to unravel my life from the independence, the self-effort, and the brokenness, the re-injury, that we experience daily. A real practical thing that you could do today is go back to that short experiential that we started this week with. Write down a list of the things that you've leaned on, that you've depended upon for a sense of value. Come before the Hebrews 4 throne of, I will do it for you apologize to God, relinquish these things to him. As you surrender them, trust that he has the power to completely take them from you. Ask him for new awareness as you're beginning to enter into an old broken pattern of harvesting value from from things that really aren't stable, Uh, attempting to find stability in things that God never designed to be a source of stability. And each time you've become aware maybe it's you're feeling insecure and you can feel it just step back and ask the question why surrender that to God and then and then ask him to be your only portion I'm telling you that that a a change as simple as that a change where you're surrendering yourself and your self effort to God and inviting him to be all that he is to you can make dynamic changes this week And so, God, do that. Would you have mercy on us, Lord? According to your great compassion, blot out all our transgressions. Lord, free us from using your gifts in ways that you never intended. Lord, free us from using the gifts that you've given us as a means to our own end. (laughs) And, Lord... You're kinder than we could ever imagine and more forbearing. How is it that you put up with us as you do? We're just so grateful we can't make it without you. So come and seal the work that you've begun today. Push the seeds that you're planting in our lives deep within the good soil of our hearts. And we'll trust you to allow those seeds to germinate and begin to grow and pop through the soil. It's all your work, Lord. We can do none of it. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We trust you. We love you.